previously on Overthinking It Recap 24. Cold brewing is an art. Eric, oh. you're, you're alive. Yeah, you remember I'm Ryan? I'm back from getting coffee. He's like oh. a little bit smaller than I am, like easier to lift. Matt rather had access to cold brew technology. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. No acidity at all. Do you have the technology right now? Uh, not was... in the panic room. We're locked in the panic room right now. It's bigger than coffee. It doesn't just work on coffee. With it, you can cold brew anything. I think we've identified the themes of the episode correctly, because at the beginning of the episode, they tell us that the theme that we had observed previously is over. Protocols are done. I don't care about your protocols anymore. We're doing something else in this episode. The social system wants Jack to put Margot in, in custody. You know, the organizational system, the set of laws and protocols yeah. um, and bosses. And the physical system, I mean... Look, that window wants someone to be thrown out of it. I don't know. What does he wear? He doesn't wear sweatpants. Like, no, he doesn't no, wear, I think he wears, he doesn't I think wear he jeans. Yeah, like, yeah. Not, not, not slacks. Slacks aren't right. They're pleated. I think he wears, like, chinos. Belichick is also totally alone, whereas, in this episode at least, whereas Jack Bauer is, is uh, generally part of organizations. All right, Ryan, I'm going to keep the recap going. I'm going to go down this vent and see what I can find. If I'm not back in five minutes, come get me. The following takes place between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. On the road again. Can't wait to get on the... No, hi. It's the 8 o'clock episode of the Overthinking It Live recap. This is Fenzel. I am here alone yet again. Uh, abandoned once more by my compatriots here in the Panic Room, which is a lovely place deep in the bowels of overthinking at global headquarters here in Zurich, Switzerland. Uh, I'm, it's been a pretty good day, all things considered. I mean, some crazy stuff's been happening, but uh, I'm getting a little hungry. You know, we're, we're heading past the dinner hour. We kind of missed the dinner hour in the, uh, in the big crisis situation with Rather. And uh, I feel like I need to go get some dinner pretty soon, but I'm locked in here for my own protection, so going to have to adjudicate that. Ryan has gone on an adventure. He is out through this vent right here. Uh, right here on the side of my panic room wall, there is a very well-intentioned vent that leads the Lord knows not where, and Ryan has crawled through it to trace the scent of the cold brew technology. We're here to talk about the 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. episode of 24 Live Another Day, which I thought was a great episode, and conveniently is an episode about people who have been abandoned, and or people whose relationships have been broken, pairs, and singles, and uh, finding individuals who are lost. Pete! Uh, Pete! Oh, wait. I'm up here. Oh, hey, hey Ryan. Oh, hey. Hey, wow. Hey. Uh, listen, I need you to come up here with me. There's something you need to see. Uh, all right. I, well, here, I'll, I'll reach down. I'll, okay. I've, I've hooked my feet inside the vent. I will reach down, and let's just grab my arm. Okay, all right. All right. My nuts are on the... Oh, oh. Follow me this way. There's something you need to see in the Overthinking It Command and Control Center slash kitchen. Oh, that's where the vent goes? Yeah. I mean, that's... And so, here, just follow me through here. How, how's it going so far? I mean, it's pretty good. Got I think the episode started? I managed, yeah, I managed to shake off the trauma of the earlier hours in, in great 24 style, and I'm ready to talk about, uh... Although I'm a little peckish. Well, I, luckily... All right. So now... All right, 
We're going to just jump down through here, and we're going to be right in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. All right. Sounds good. <gasps> hey, this place is pretty nice. Yeah. Isn't this great? Yep, yep. All right. Well, so here's the first thing. What you need to see is that this is the cold brewer. This is the toddy cold brew that Matt was working on. Oh, wow. Hey, it's about it's about three quarters of the way done, it looks I like. I know, but it shouldn't be done. There's been... Someone has exploited a fault in the system, and it's going faster than it should. Huh. So don't don't touch it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Jeez, I'm backing off. So Jeez. we need to we need to think we need to figure out how fast it's going, when it's going to be ready, and what that means. Okay, but we also have to recap episode eight to nine o'clock. Yeah. Of- so the, I mean, like we don't we're, we we don't we I I don't even have the capability. You know, Matt was our cold brew expert. Yeah. So uh, I put in a call for backup. Okay. Um, maybe something will arrive. Uh, but in the meantime, we should uh, raid the commissary here. You know, get some snacks, get okay. some uh, g- eat a little bit, and uh, and and yeah, re- recap this ap- episode. Um, so uh, here, do you want some cheese? Oh, do I ever? You know the answer to that question is always All yes. All right, and a little scoop of so- fig paste. <laughs> oh, perfect. And there you go. Oh, thank you. You know what I love. Excellent. Um, so Ryan, what was your Downton Abbey moment for this episode of uh, Twenty Four Live Another Day? Well, you know, I think that. For me, and I, I always, I always fear, you know, um, when we were radioing, when we were on calm just before you uh, started, uh, you know, uh, you know, in our, our secret communication uh, off offline in our, our back channel, mm-hmm. you said that you had, you felt like you had a very clear Downton uh, Abbey moment for this episode, and that made me actually very nervous because uh, <laughs> because uh, the, the the fact when, when you feel there's an even more clear moment, then I become uh, I get worried of what if I don't have the same moment, oh. and what if what if we're not on the same page, what uh. if what if we are just a pair that's become ripped asunder? Um, uh, and and so I'm I, I'm nervous. But so all of that said, for me, um, for me, I would say that the, the, my Downton Abbey moment came very early on, and it, and it came in the uh, the scene between uh, Chloe and Adrian. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, early on uh, when he's. Uh, telling her what's going on when he's bringing her up to speed. He's gotten uh, off of the phone with Navarro, um, right? And so there's one scene, and actually in this episode, there were a lot of scenes where that were kind of two scenes that bled into one another, right? So that there is a scene between, um, like the second scene of the episode is a phone call between Navarro and, and Adrian, and then Adrian ends the phone call and Chloe's behind him. He goes, oh, hello. <laughs> He's like, uh, and, uh, but then, so it's, the, and, and then seamlessly without a, without a hard cut, there's a new scene between uh, Adrian and, uh, and Chloe. And at two points in this, uh, in this scene, he talks about, uh, exploits, mm. ex- exploitation. Mm. Um, so one is that uh, when he's talking about what he did with the um, with with the the, the device uh, and his role in creating the override device, uh, he says that it exploits a vulnerability in their firewall. Ah, interesting. Um, and then later on in the same scene, um, when he's talking about. Uh, how he was connected with Navarro and uh, his doing a deal with the Chinese, uh, he says, they thought they were exploiting me, but I was taking advantage of them. Oh, and so so I heard the word exploit um, in uh, two 
like once once you hear the same word in two different usages mm-hmm. in one scene, um, again my my Downton Abbey alarms yeah, start yeah, yeah. going off. Exactly, say, which I guess would be like going, "Oh, hello." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and so, and I think that for me, um, there were a lot of elements throughout this of how of of exploitation more broadly of people taking advantage of something. Um, in somebody else to get them to do what they want to do, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that there's a lot of intertwined themes about either uh, betrayal um, or about um, kind of the like, motivation sources of motivation, and so there may be a few other th- uh, threads um, and, and that may be more salient depending on um, what scenes that you saw is very salient. Mm-hmm. But for me, I, I thought this idea of people exploiting each other and taking mm-hmm. advantage of each other uh, was was at the core of a lot of what I thought was going on in this episode. I can totally see what you're talking about, especially in the context of relationships that people thought were protective of them. Exactly. And people exploiting the nature of past relationships. Yes. Uh, when Baron Von mustache is saying to Mark Boudreaux, no one need know about what we've done here today, right? There's so many different relationships across the show that have the same sort of character, where it's two people in the past did something shady with each other, and you would think it wouldn't be important anymore, but it is. And in this case, the return of Zhang is Mm. the big, of of Chang, right? Sorry, it's Chang. Chang Zhi. Right, uh, Chang is the big example of this that the episode is building up to. Uh, although I, I thought, felt that there was something else. This was an episode that uh, had a lot of um, it had a couple of big through lines, and it was kind of debatable what its actual sort of major point of focus was. And there were a couple of different things going on. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'll share with you what I said. What and, and when I say a great Downton Abbey moment, I, I was referring or the greatest the series has had this particular season has had so far. I wasn't necessarily referring to how well it elucidated what the episode was about, but more about how it was so completely unrelated to everything else that was mm. happening. And for, so for me. The Downton Abbey moment was when Audrey goes into the president's office and says, you're not supposed to have alcohol with your pills, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and the president holds up a glass of what looks like just vodka on the rocks and goes, just the one. Right. And, like, takes a big, hard swallow. Well, also, I think he's, like, swallowing it already while yeah, he's yeah. saying that. And he kind of, because I think that his first response is to give a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. He gives a thumbs up and swallows. And yeah. Just the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. so the combination of her I think saying... it's whiskey, though. Oh, is it whiskey? Um, oh, I thought it was a... I, I uh, thought it was brown liquid, but oh, brown I, I don't... Liquid. I'm the wrong person to be yeah. making this call. <laughs> um, we'll review the tapes. It's probably... Knowing the president, it's probably whiskey. It would be funny if it were, like, gin or vodka just on the rocks just uh but whiskey is a more presidential kind of uh i I just as an aside the one thing i do know are types of cheese and would you like a little bit more of this naked goat uh it's a really nice spanish uh goat's milk cheese i I do there you go and a little dollop of the fig paste as always so this is where all the google ad money is going oh absolutely (laughs) i mean every time you click on and it's mostly it's it's a combination the the goat cheese comes from google ads g for g uh and then our uh our uh Blue cheese is actually coming from uh, from Amazon. Oh. Uh, Amazon affiliate links. So oh, there you go. I, I could, we we couldn't alliterate it, but it was we got as close <laughs> as we could. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So yeah, so the juxtaposition of these two things can't be together, and yeah. the president following it with just the one. Hmm. Uh, th- this idea of there being one thing that's on its own and a pair that has existed in the past mm. or something that's existed in the past that, that can't be around anymore. And then, just like you said, you heard mm. the word exploit that's that's said twice. In that same 
scene right afterwards, Audrey says, well, Air Force One is waiting for you. Mm. So the way I read this, and it's a, it's very indirect and it's very subtextual, is it's like these things that these there are these things that can't be together mm-hmm. and and then there's an ironic twist where the president says well just the one and introduces the concepts of solitude and then audrey says well air force one is waiting for you and we know what the president is doing is he's basically going to go resign and die alone yeah right like in right. the in the in the solitude of dementia um which is terribly depressing and this idea that sort of you will you will be alone it is air force one the way she just sort of said one really stuck out mm-hmm. at me um, and again, maybe I'm reading into it, but uh, I just there were so many different instances in which there was a pair in this episode that became just the one. So there's Navarro was in the same unit as the guy who as- went to assassinate Jordan, right. right? But now there's only one of them left, right? Right? Uh, Eric or Chris from the Wire uh, is the only ranking officer who's left right. after Navarro was gone, and he has to take over by himself. Uh, right, we have uh, Chloe and Adrian, of course. Where it looks like it's unclear for much of the episode whether Chloe is going to leave right, Adrian right, or not, right. and they they play that for suspense a couple times. When right. when Jack says, "I can't be sure whether Chloe is with," they ask, "Is he, she with him?" Yeah. And yeah. we find out yeah. by the end of the episode that she's not. That right. in fact that that pair is is not only is it over, but it's like as soon as he mentions his plan, the pair is gone. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We really see some hostility between Audrey and Mark right. as they really as Audrey really pushes yeah. Mark yeah. away. Um, we see the result of that alienation as Mark strikes out at Jack. But there, there's a, just a whole bunch of the different pairings. The fact that Chang no longer works for the Chinese government. Right. Like he's also uh, somebody who has been kind of left alone. He is just the one. Just there the one. Know. And then, of course, there's the really intense conversation in the car where Kate and Jack talk about their respective dead lovers. Right? right. Where Kate talks about her husband and how she abandoned him. Right? And then Jack talks about Renee Walker is who he's talking right, about in this right, episode. Right. His partner, his friend yeah. from... C- uh, now, when I've talked about Renee Walker in the past on this show, uh, on our recap show, I've generally talked about how I remember Renee Walker, which is like, I think day... Was it day six or seven, day Renee seven, Walker? Day, day seven, seven, Renee yeah. Walker. Yeah. Yeah. Sa- Sangala, yeah. uh, Renee Walker. Yeah. As opposed to um, President Omar Hassan and the agreement. Yeah, um, yeah. As opposed uh, to Renee like, Walker. sort of like, I've gone undercover and have come back indelibly changed mm-hmm. Renee Walker, mm-hmm. which I never really quite bought in the context as like, Renee Walker was going to get as dark as Jack got. Something about her character didn't... I always think of Renee Walker as sort of in the immaculately pressed shirt kind right. of running naively alongside Jack and is going to get involved at like a key moment because that's how she was most memorably portrayed to me. Uh, but this episode really stresses the Renee Walker who kind of comes full circle and meets Jack and understands yeah. Jack's experience. Yeah. Yeah. But they're both really talking about their trauma of having lost a partner. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea of kind of the, the president with both his pills and his booze, but yeah. he only gets to have the one and then he's going to go off alone. Um, it, to me, it said, it hinted at, or it spoke to, there have been a couple of episodes where I felt like a central moment of the episode has been spoken to, and it didn't happen in that episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big one, I think, for me, pre- previous to this, was, um, I think we definitely, we talked about, there was one episode where it seemed like Ian was going to kill Margot Al-Harazi in the next episode. Right. It's like, this episode makes it really sound like Margot Al-Harazi is going to die. Right. Just because of all the patterns that are set up and how all of the people are being kind of upset or turned over or whatever is happening. This really seems like Margot Al-Harazi is going to die in the next episode. And I think she did. 
Right? I think she did she die. Did in die. Yeah. Not in the way we expected, no. but it was like, oh, okay, she's going to die. Ian also died. Yeah, Ian also died. Well, because it was that her story was done, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and like we when felt you... that, but yeah. Because that how. was the one that was about facing. That was the one about like your story is over and you're dying. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that was, was that the episode. calls. So, yeah, the calls when the right. when the phone rings, right. something is over. Right. And interestingly, um, actually. The first sound in this uh, in this episode is the phone ringing, right? Uh, right, and, right. and there's actually several cuts, and maybe this is uh, I've just never noticed it, and this is like the uh, and this is a larger trope throughout either this uh, season or 24 in general. But there were a number of um, edits on the sound cue of a phone ringing this mm. episode, and for me, so it felt to me like especially because we're heading into the last three episodes, right? This is the anti penultimate episode, right? Um, that in some way. I'm seeing little bits of recapitulate, like a symphony, recapitulations of themes and ideas mm-hmm. and motifs from before. Yep. Um, that even though this is not the episode where that's happening, um, as you're saying, that there's elements of that are that are coming and then being re-expressed in this other theme. Yeah. And it, other the, Eric has to introduce new protocols. Right. At, exactly. At, at yep. uh, London CTU. Yep. yep. And then of course Eric experiences being the boss. Yeah. Uh, and that yeah. whole thing happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, and uh, and even to go with one of our earliest ones, um, the thing that Zhang says to Chloe is, "You're a long way from home." Yeah, because right? she's at that outer point in the rogue cycle, right? right she's right, the right. furthest away from from her home, from her set of uh, protective institutions and and relationships. Um, and so this is going to be an interesting like yeah. way of arcing back. Yeah. Um, I want, one thing I would say. One more thing before we move on, it strikes me is Jack's conversation with Kate seems to be an echo of Jack's conversation with Chloe at, in the first episode or in the mm-hmm, second ep- in the mm-hmm, in the 12 mm-hmm, o'clock the mm-hmm, second part of the because mm-hmm. they they're in a car talking about the people that they've lost yeah. and Jack says sort of the same thing but he says it in two very different ways this idea that you can't bring back the ones you love that he says to Chloe versus what he says to Kate which is you just have to live with it and revenge isn't going to make you feel yeah. any better well um, and i think what's interesting there and so part of how i read that in through my lens about exploitation and yeah. is maybe not exactly exploitation. Well, so is that part of how to read those two scenes together is that Jack is very, it's one of the ways that Jack is saying something to get people to do what he wants, yeah. right? He wants Kate to be, um, basically, even though earlier on he says, if you want to punch out of this, yeah, you, know, you can. Yeah. Um, and, that itself is said so as to that she will not punch out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then once she's in it, he wants her to be operating at full capacity and being at, you know, and working with him as well as possible. So there's right. a little bit of telling people not what they want to hear, but what he thinks they need to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that, um, and, and for me, right. And, and like earlier in a, in a different sense, um, right. It, it works on the, uh, there's a lot of different times in the episode where people are negotiating with negotiating with each other or um, like manipulating each other in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think one question it raises is that you know that I guess that is there. How do you distinguish? So exploitation has a very negative connotation to it. It's very normatively loaded that it seems to be bad. It seems to um, you know disregard uh, uh, you know a sense of equality and respecting the other person as a, as a person. Right. Um, but that there is 
And I don't think that that is necessarily, at least as we see it right now, the character of the relationship between Jack and Kate. There seems to be mutual respect there. You know, mm-hmm. it seems to, um, uh, you know, actually be genuine, have genuine uh, empathy for for her situation. But at the same time, you know, there is an e- edge of uh, within that kind of friendship, friendship or collegial relationship, or somewhat pseudo parental relationship, and it's kind of all of those. Yeah, um, there is a sense of acting so as to get her to do what he wants her to do right yeah. and so that and 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 uh there's a nugget of that even in a relatively mutualistic relationship that i thought which i think is um very which is which is yeah. interesting well i mean that, well so two things one is the big uh twisty thing that the 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 move the the play that Jack and Kate make together against Navarro, which I loved, and I yeah, thought was tremendously yeah, well executed, yeah, yeah, yeah. where Kate convinces Navarro that she's gone totally rogue, where in fact she has only gone Bauer level rogue, right? Yeah. Like she's she's cooperating with Jack to get him to divulge this. this. Well, so is, so that's an interesting question. I mean, because yeah. we don't see them confer, right? That it's like no, it, no, they they skip it, right? And so, but and so it's interesting to it's it, it's so this is very interesting to me because. As I was reading it, I was so the one thing that you that that, that tips that off is that um, Jack says to Eric, um, Kate broke Navarro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, but uh, for what he also says, "Good job" after they did the in, after they get Navarro. To I see. Divulge so it. I missed that. Maybe I yeah, missed yeah. that. One he thing. kind of mutters it under his breath. Uh, and like, cause she's, cause then she sort of changed and he says, you got that? And the guy's already on the computer and he's keyed uh-huh, into the conversation, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh, cause they're, uh-huh. they've bugged it. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, and then, yeah, and then yeah. he says, good job. But they do skip. It is an interesting question. When does it happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and watching, I watched this one twice, yeah. um, you know, in the intervening non-time space during which you were in the vent. And, uh, and I felt like the mo it happens earlier than you think. I think that it happens right after Jack asks Kate whether she's in or not. I think right. that, that that cuts mm-hmm. away then to the interrogation room. Huh. And then about a, a couple minutes later, uh, Jack comes into the interrogation room and Kate insists on observing Jack's interrogation with Navarro. Yeah. And uh, Jack, of course, because Jack's interrogation of Navarro is really very by the book, Jack Bauer. Yeah. It's exactly what Navarro should expect. <laughs> and there's no reason to believe that merely breaking his hand is going to do no. anything. Right. But <laughs> immunity is <laughs> not on the table, but your hand yeah, is. Which is just like, <laughs> Jack is like, I'm, I'm doing this one for me. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and, and the other interesting tell is, I mean, of course, Kate tries, this is an opportunity for Kate to charge into the room while she's being held back by security mm. so that Navarro can see that she's figured out what's happened to her husband. Right. Um, the other interesting tip is that when Navarro is in the hospital, when he, or he's in the, the sort of medical the medical, medical yeah. ward, uh, he they, he asks for something for the pain, and he says, "I've been instructed not to give you any." Right. And he goes like, "Naturally, right?" He right. just feels so smugly superior because yeah. he feels like he he's been denied painkillers as like a slight or as like a uh, just to sort of make things more difficult for him. Right. And he's like, oh, I understand how this works. When really he's been denied painkillers because they need him to be lucid because they're about to run a scam on him. Right, right. Because right? uh, there's the interrogation hasn't stopped. They're right. in the dream within a dream. Yeah, this is like yeah, the inception. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, the yeah. Jack Bauer within a Jack Bauer that's happening right here. Yeah. Um, and also, at, right after Navarro, right after... Because uh, oh, when Chris says to Jack, we'll do this by the book, he, you know, he goes like, yeah, okay, or something. What yeah, does he say? Yeah. He says like... Uh, 
Well, um, so there's, I mean, I, I guess there's two places where it happens. There's, I mean, there's one, I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, where Jack says at one point, like, I wasn't asking permission. Oh, I well, yeah. Because like, <laughs> that's another that's one where he, yeah. says, where he says, like, this is me being considerate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, like, amazing. Like, why does he hate Eric so yeah, much? I don't know. I think Eric was mean to him when they arrested him, like, earlier the same day. I see. But Jack is also, I, I've, I've read a lot of the other recaps in our non-time space, and I, one of the commenters in one of the recaps said that it's just, like, it's just nonstop Jack Bauer shade. Just, like, all yeah, the, he's just, yeah. like, throwing, if you're not Kate or Chloe, or the President of the United States, you're just getting shade all the time from Jack Bauer. He's just being rude to you and telling you off. Like that, when- that is true, because like before Navarro, like his relationship with Navarro was more like, I mean, we, we talked about this uh, an hour ago, um, is his relationship with Navarro, uh, you, you saw this right before things turned, was much more like, you know, bros being bros. Yeah, right? yeah. So but he was still taunting him a little bit. He's he like, let's taunting- see whether my guy gets it before that, your guy does. That, that's still not exactly yeah. the same as, as no. throwing shade. Like, yeah. I think that um, that that shade is one of uh, one of Jack mo- uh, one of Jack's modes. But it's um, you know, it's it's kind of hitting with a blunt instrument to say that that is happening everywhere. Yeah, that's uh, true. but that's why we are uh, you know attacking this with the surgical precision that we do have here at Overthinking It uh, Global he- yeah. Headquarters. We have many conceptual tools to really get the fine grained level of ways in which uh, Jack yeah. jacks. Yeah, indeed. Well, to, to speak about Jack Bauer and Shade, there's also the moment when he's interrogating Navarro where he's lit from the top. Yes, and his yes. eyes are black, right? And his mouth yes, is dark. Yes, and it looks yes. like he's like an evil being with no soul. And perhaps part of the explanation of why he's so rude to Eric is that he's really been traumatized by his experience off the grid and or the events of the day. And he's having difficulty dealing with other human beings. Yeah. He's just be, this is like the, the Jack who's kind of coming apart at the seams, which we've seen before. Um, yeah. we, we talked about before. Uh, but I also wanted to say... Um, to finish off a thought I had, I was starting on earlier. There's an event that doesn't happen in this episode that I think that the event, right. the episode is pointing at that that I think will happen early in the next episode, which is that I think Jack is going to get taken by the Russians. I think mm-hmm. they, because if the episode is about, um, well, if the, expo- if the episode is about exploitation, uh, then it's about how Jack is exploiting Kate and whether Kate gets out of her relationship with Jack what she wants, right? Whereas Chloe decides to no longer be exploited by Adrian Cross right. because she's not getting what she wants out of the relationship, right? right? Um, and then, of course, uh, Chang, you know, he's getting what he wants out of whatever he does. Yeah, yeah. He exploits Chloe as well uh, and, and tricks her. Well, so, and she, he, he, like, meta-exploits her because he, he knows that she's going to um, put a, try to exploit him and put a virus in and bring yeah, him down. Right. And so that then and then and she he, and then she realizes that and then he like she tries to make this an actual exploit yeah 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 <laughs> exactly and then uh and then he pulls her out and she's like oh he and he's like you opened the door for us right yes, yes. um and so that there's like like he exploits the the like he knows that she will try to exploit him and yeah. kind of use the the moment to take him down and so that he takes advantage of that yeah. so, so like yeah, yeah but like even though the big kind of flashy special effect shot of the sh- of the episode is the aircraft carrier exploding yeah, yeah. which if you see this as an episode about old partnerships that go away and wedges that are driven between people it's a forcibly driven wedge between the United States and China yeah. trying to sort of break apart a relationship um so in that sense it, it works along those lines but I, I do it doesn't feel to me like that's really the big gesture that's informing no. everything else that happens no. now if I go from my instinct that the president saying just the one while holding a glass 
is the quintessential line of this of the episode. It there was something about me that responded to that and said like, "Oh, there's going to be we have two hours now, and when the the events that are happening right now conclude, there'll be just the one. There'll be just one Bauer." I mean, I wrote down a bunch of the other quotes. Uh, what? Um, how Navarro was the killer's handler, hmm. um, and then how? Let's see. Um, Air Force One is on the tarmac. I'm going back with nothing. Uh, just how like people leave. Um, oh, I, I wrote down so much. Uh, um, so I guess you're a long way from home. Just so much isolation. Well, but I, I don't know. I, I thought- think there's another interesting thing here in terms of like the, a bigger thing that could happen uh, in terms of pairs and then ending up with just the one is that you know. And we, we've speculated what will happen at the end of the season. Um, and, you know, I, I think we actually, like, one speculation was that the Chinese would be attacking uh, California. And we may, <laughs> end, we may end up there. And it's That's like, true. there were two superpowers. And then there was just the one. Yeah. <laughs> because China was provoked to obliterate the United States. Yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah. seems to be, when I see, like, a ship... Um, you know, I, I when I see saw the you know thinking about like historical connections, when I saw the carrier blow up, I thought of like two, right? One is um, the USS Maine, right, mm-hmm. and the explosion of that and the reportage of that, which um, you know was used to justify and motivate um, the Spanish American War. Yep. Um, and then the other is um, you know the events in the Gulf of Tonkin um, oh. and that led to the Gulf of Tonkin Resolution. Yeah. Because um, I believe that was also a a ship. Uh, yeah. It was believed a ship was being yeah. fired. And on, the right? Lusitania too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. From World War One. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So yeah. you know, it's pretty I, common trope in American foreign policy right. that like one of our ships gets blown up, and so we use it as a reason to go to war with other people right right yeah, right yeah. right and so um right so zhang kind of flipped the script on yeah. on us and and uh is is, is using he also that. threw a bunch of chinese tea into the harbor right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly no he dredged up a bunch of tea from the harbor that was hidden in crates <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um well so i think that there's another i mean i think that so much is that i think one thing about a lot of these pairs that are being whittled down to to one and i, I don't know uh, i'm trying to think if, if we can find this in the um the, in the just the one scene that you you saw but i think that in a lot of these um what one thing that's interesting about a lot of these pairs is that there is a already absent third party in a lot of these right so mm-hmm. that even though that you know that you have this tense scene between mark and audrey you know all it's a, about and motivated by the role of Jack, right? And Mark yeah. even says, um, you know, uh, well, everything between us changed when Jack came in, right? Yeah, and so the, yeah. the, there's these, you know, interestingly that there are concerns that about about um, how action in this pair and and it's kind of the wedge is being driven by a you know absent or kind of you know um latent third party right a third party who's not in that scene yeah but who's present in the larger relationship dynamic i think that that this is in terms of the way we like to talk about symbolism used in language by other characters when chang says you opened the door right this is what i felt like was happening right which is that there are twos and ones in a lot of the scenes the big one for me is when jack is on the train platform and Chloe and Adrian are on the train, and there's a literal glass yes, window, yes, and Jack yes, can't get Chloe's yes, attention. Yes. So that's this pair that's being pulled apart in favor of this other pair. 
Uh, there's also a very similar situation where Chloe is trying to get the attention of the truck driver who is yeah. also behind a glass wall, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then that person is also also goes away and you can't get to them anymore. And there's also um, and there's also glass walls. The other glass wall that's used is when Kate is observing Navarro. Exactly. So another two and one is kind of like Navarro and Kate and Jack. Yeah. But that's a little it's a little bit different because at that point they're trying to tease you that Jack and Kate have split up. Yeah. When in fact they haven't split right. up. Right. But there's there's no, a, it's kind yeah. of the inverse of it. Right. Yeah. The, a lot of their scenes are the in the inversion. It, yeah, because they're the, coming together. Right. Whereas everybody else is pulling apart. Right, right, right. Um yeah and twenty four loves to invert these tropes. Right. In, to invert the thematic ideas that right organize their other stories in one or two of the right. individual There's parts. usually, I mean, we've identified yeah. this, right? Yeah. I think one of the major ones is the I got you ginger beer from yeah. a few hours ago. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, and, and so that we, we've usually been able to find yeah. about um, one per uh, uh, episode. By the way, would you like a ginger beer? I would love a ginger All beer. Right. But yeah, no, it's there's the scene where, oh, thank you. Yeah. Mm. Go go on. Sorry, oh, but I didn't want to break up the flow. When, when, when Jack is interrogating Navarro in the hand on the table scene, the shot that leads into it is similar to, in terms of like cinematographic trickery, to the scene where um, where Margot Alharazi is watching the president get assassinated, and then it pulls out and you see it through a drone screen. Mm-hmm. When Jack is going into the room, the establishing shot of Navarro in the room, there's a shot that I believe is taken from Kate's point of view mm-hmm. through the glass. Right. And I thought this was interesting because we don't know at this point what Kate's role is observing what's going on but by locating her as the watcher of the scene it impli- it implies that she's related to what's happening right. and it does sort of I think imply that her knowledge or in- engagement with it is greater in this point than it might be otherwise in the story that Kate is watching for something Kate is not just waiting to see Jack Bauer in action she's watching for a specific reaction that's going to happen so I felt like putting that shot from Kate's perspective or even over her shoulder I'm not sure it's, it's sort of shaky yeah, yeah. and it's very dark and it's it's interesting because it's not clear whose perspective it's from but you can guess from the angle it's taken that it's from Kate's perspective right, right. and it, it um, is interesting because then there's like that the dominant but then there is a cue or there's like a small clue like right before I think we get the ticking clock of after Jack does the hand smash, mm-hmm. um, then and there's like a a, a, a real um, a flurry of activity. There's a flurry of activity. <laughs> that is exactly what I was yeah. looking for. Um, then uh, you have there's just a shot of Jack and Kate beside each other looking on. Yes, uh, and it's yes. very brief. It's yeah. very brief. And mm-hmm. I but I wrote it down because it was it, it was striking and I didn't know exactly why. Yes, and yes. I think it's it, it's striking because of the pre- previous choreography that was setting them up as being apart and from these uh, different vantage points. Yeah, right? So there's yeah. these interesting clues yeah. that are really uh, embedded. Yeah, 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 exactly. Clues that they've made, that they've been planning this and that they're t- coming together yeah. while, while everything else. But it's very subtle. I mean, yeah. because I did not fully understand it, It, I, I actually was reading it much more as a... Um, a, a kind of con- convenient confluence of events rather than a really um rather than um r- rather rather than it being a plan um but it was i mean it is interesting so just to get back to my read even when i was uh viewing it as just a not a plan but a a happy coincidence mm-hmm. one thing that it was you know i guess getting back to thinking about this ide- ideas of exploitation or kind of Manipulation of of another individual that you kind of so in the um, Jack Navarro scene there is a 
a, a stalemate, right? Where so Jack kind of says, you know, you're going to, uh, you know, you're going to die unless you help us, right? So yeah. he's playing on this, you know, fear of death survival, right? And mm. you see that in um, in 24 a lot, right? They're, they're basically, you know, you're you're already dead. You're already going to jail for life unless you give us what what mm. uh, um, what, what we want, right? Jack says, I might be able to do something about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Navarro <laughs> immediately says, well, you need this device. It's a, uh, a weapon of mass destruction, as you say. Yeah. Um, and so full immunity and again that's and uh, one of our um you know one of the people running uh running calm one of our our listeners uh mentioned uh, speculated about when we would get i think it may have been margo or Jameis, but i'm not sure now um I'm, it's been a long day yeah. um that uh you know speculate wondered when the uh trump card the the perennial trump card of full immunity would come out <laughs> and, and so here it is it's, yeah it it along with uh the hand is on the table now yeah. even though it's not on the table of what jack wants to uh be feasible it's on the conceptual table yeah. um yeah it's, it's interesting when kate asks nobody here's going to give him immunity right yeah and the way that she asks it again this is fu- this is part of how i inferred that Kate and Jack had planned the second move against Navarro before Jack makes the first move against Navarro. Because while you could interpret that as being from a place of personal outrage, Mm -hmm. it also, it has a tone in the sense that the way she delivers it of more strategic inconvenience, Hmm. right? So she's like, nobody nobody here is going to give him immunity. Mm -hmm. Not like he's not going to get immunity, Mm -hmm. but it's like there's nobody who's right here who can actually do this because Mm -hmm. that's going to screw up our plan. Right, right, um, right, right, right. That's a very good point because like they need to um, isolate him, right? Yeah, so they, they yeah. need to kind of get him apart and kind of have him right. Because part of this, part of the whole point is they need him to go to the medical ward. But anyway. well, they also they need him away from um, they they need him to be away from Eric. Right, that's like, really what it is. Right, and because yeah. uh, that's what, it, uh, yeah, yeah, right, and so that if like Eric could grant the immunity, then it would fall apart. <laughs> you can interpret the whole "I'm being courteous" as "I'm going rogue." Yeah, <laughs> I've already gone rogue, and I, you don't know it yet. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I can imagine like Jack Bauer, like like letter press stationery, <laughs> right? Where it's like, um, "Dear Eric, this is to inform you that I, I have gone rogue." Um, and Save uh, the <laughs> Save the date and set and set up a perimeter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Initiate the protocols. Yeah. I have gone rogue. Yeah, exactly. So to talk about another, there's a fair amount of subtlety in this episode, and we talked about some of the subtlety. One of the other conversations that I wanted to unpack a little bit, unless it less has to do with the kind of integrated ideas behind the episode as a whole and more kind of on its own merits, is the conversation between Mark and Audrey about Audrey's relationship with Jack. Yeah. Because I thought it was pretty pretty adult, it was pretty maturely and subtly handled, mm-hmm. um, in the sense that Mark misunderstands Audrey. I think Mark, there's, there's one of two things that happens. Either Mark misunderstands Audrey in a way that it is entirely reasonable and expected for a husband to understand a wife, or misunderstand a wife, uh, which would be the sense of how, what is my wife's, uh, like, sexual mindscape like? And if there is another man in it, that man is a terrible threat to me. 
Whereas, like, the reason that a marriage holds together is not because there are no other attractive men in the world, right? Like, like especially... Right, there are not enough, like, mustachioed Russians yeah. to really solve this problem. Exactly. Right, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, you ran into your ex... You ran into your ex-boyfriend. It's sort of like, you still love him. It's very... It's not a very adult way of no. dealing with this kind of problem. No. Um, a much more adult way. And when, so when she says that really, that dagger of a line, right, which is like... You know, I, I've made promises in my marriage and I'm yeah. going to keep yeah. them or what have you. So so the one way to look at it is that, yeah, is that Mark doesn't isn't capable of comprehending uh, the wife of the how his wife might have another man in her mind without it being really threatening to him personally. Right. Uh, right. And then uh, whereas she and then, of course, she can't really talk to him about this because this is something they communicated about in the past right. and she can't communicate with him about it and she gets very frustrated right? right and then he of course gets very angry and accusatory because she isn't able to sort things out um and all that all that other all that other stuff so the other way is that uh that we've we've pulled a 24 in the sense that everything is reset from previous episodes yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's that there 24 and this is this is the thing that all the other recaps on the internet always get wrong which is just how episodic how each episode of 24 resets like a little bit of the show mm-hmm. and and has a new mm-hmm. approach to something that's happening at least in this season mm-hmm. right but i think it happens in other seasons yeah. too where they're they're the reason they show you what things matter in previously on 24 is because not everything matters in each episode of 24 it well, was, it's, it's impossible yeah yeah exactly uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are specific things that have happened in the past that are going to matter in this episode and there are other things that are not going to matter and it, and also just they can't afford to really import all of the character baggage and they can't really have people's emotions develop in real time each episode kind of starts a little bit fresh as if it's a story being told by a different person or around a different campfire yeah right? like um i think that that's very interesting because it's it's actually counterintuitive um because the show is on its surface it purports to be the most serialized show on tv yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's going in real time and, yeah. and it's one thing it's a it, it wants the illusion of a continuous thing yeah. that um that never that, that never stops but um as you're saying i think that this is actually really interesting about how we perceive time as mm. people that actually counterintuitively hour to hour um your experience may be more episodic than continuous because yeah, like in a day yeah. in fact um at different points of the day days are not continuous unending bro- like uh blocks with big arcs and uh and themes they are um you know at this is we're eating now because this is the time when we eat yes, yes. uh this is the one, right it's like uh the like uh the TV show friends um uh, every episode was the one where they blank right, right so right, right. um and so 8 p.m. There's an 8 p.m. every day, but within the day, uh, the 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. Uh, or a little earlier is the one, the hour where they eat, yeah. uh, where we eat, and so um, in in a day, right? It's uh, it's understandable that especially then in 24, these days are these um, you know crazy days where uh, everything is happening, right? And so it's it's this interesting thing of. Because they wanted the show to last 24 hours, right? Yeah. Uh, they wanted it to be a full day, and so that's a 24-episode season. You have to – you get – and we've talked about this a little bit. You have segments of the day um, already so that it's about – you know, the, the kind of major conflicts are different. You know, there's maybe three or four, you know, mini um, arcs. But then as you – as you're pointing out now, that – 
really even within any of those it re- it resets also mm-hmm. um, yeah. so as the clock moves forward it also resets yeah um, yeah yeah and that's actually that's, that's we click when it clicks to zero 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 at the hour there's something that changes right uh, much like it, the rest of 24 has a relationship with social structures where people buy and we talked about this last last episode last recap how it's different from Game of Thrones because Game of Thrones is like the wild west where so any social norm could collapse at any time right, right. whereas in 24 people really do hold things sacred mm-hmm. and that there are things that are social constructions that people really and truly invest themselves in um, a great one from this episode is Chloe right Chloe and Adrian when yes. they talk about whether the machine yeah. is going to whether Adrian's going to use the machine for good or for evil. Yeah, and actually, yeah. let's put but a pin For the greatest good. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but one of the other things is, that is time itself is a thing that yes. everybody buys into as something that exists. That this is, this is not like, you know, this is not like soccer or like, you know, farming, where like the time passes kind of abstractly and it lasts as long as it lasts, right? This is, uh, this is the, this is the, the, uh, in the, uh, unforgiving clock of like the railroad and the end of industry and of technology right right this is a very american clock that is driving the uh... <laughs> there's no there's no injury time yeah. in 24 because <laughs> no. otherwise you would just keep going no exactly <laughs> <laughs> we're going to add 12 hours of injury time <laughs> at the end of 24 uh, <laughs> um yeah but but to, so to go back so chloe so Chloe and Adrian, this is this is a really interesting part of the of the episode, and it came up earlier when Jack says a very similar thing to Adrian about how all what he's doing is just garbage. Right. And there's certain times this happens in 24 from time to time. It's one one of the times where 24 tends to get a little bit more political, but I think it's kind of valuable to stop and talk about it. Yes. So Chloe immediately, as, as soon as she hears Adrian's plan. Which is to give the security codes to all the weapon systems in the world, to all the other countries of the world, so any country can use any other country's weapons to blow up any other country. That this will create peace, because then either our countries will have to dismantle their weapon systems, or no one will have an incentive to use the weapon systems, because somebody will just use the weapon systems against them. It's really a fine line between being a tea-drinking, uh, scarf-wearing, uh, a feet British dude, and, like, the head of the NRA. Yeah! Right? Yeah! Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you know, right, computerized weapon systems don't kill people, people kill yeah. people, right? <laughs> An armed, you know, a nuclear armed society is a nuclear polite society. Right. Right. And this idea that Chloe instantly receives, instantly realizes, and she goes, one of her lovely sort of Chloe sick faces, which is yeah. like, oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what did Edgar do this time? <laughs> like, it's like, uh, and she's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And I think in our, in our social media driven landscape where, uh, people, people. It's very easy to kind of get divorced from these sorts of feelings of uncertainty. But you know, Chloe, Chloe's character has the sort of meaningful, uh, meaningful experience with global security technology issues. <laughs> like that, one would might, but that she would could feel a lot more convinced about this sort of thing. Like I could totally see an internet argument in which people were like, "No, this would totally work," and you're like Hitler if you don't think it would work. <laughs> Yeah, and people might actually right. think this is a good idea, and it's like, you know, and Jack Bauer is like, no, you can't expose all the covert operatives in the world. It's a terrible idea. Right. Right? And, like, and Chloe is like, this is ridiculous. Giving everybody weapons? Right. <laughs> like, it's right. crazy. Right. Like, the people who have the weapons already are having enough trouble dealing with them. Um, well, and I think it is interesting. Yeah, let's, let's dig into this a little more, because it's this fascinating idea about what... Um, so what I, what I kind of see is is 
a little bit like kind of questions and discussions about the nature of order and disorder in an international system, mm. right? And so that in international um, in international relations theory, a big a lot of like um, uh, of the the focus is that states interact under a state of of formal anarchy. That is, there's no world state that governs all of the other states. Mm. There's no, um, there's no policeman. There's no, uh, third party who, um, enforces laws. And so a lot of debates in theory, in international relations, uh, focus on what is anarchy going to be like, right? And so one dominant, uh, trend, the realist perspective is that, well, in anarchy, it will be like Hobbes said anarchy would be like, uh, for, you know, just people is that states will fear each other. They will arm themselves, um, and life will be nasty, brutish, and short, right? That, that, and power, uh, concerns about power will, will rule the day. No one will trust each other, uh, and so on. And, um, and so that anarchy leads to um, to to a focus on power and and dominance. Um, and then Adrian is this weird. Adrian is like weirdly um, trying to bring about world peace, right? He wa- he wants to have a anarchist um, solution to um, to this problem, which is uh, but ultimately is. Like he's very part of what I see here, and we've talked about kind of conflicting protocols, is that he has this utopian, this liberal utopian idea of a world free from war, but all of his tools are ultimately about still in the domain of arming, like arming each other, right? And and he even has these kind of confused. Um, statements about justifying self-interest and justifying actions that are self-interested uh, because it's designed to bring about this peaceful state, right? Mm-hmm. This uh, this this utopian um, kumbaya moment, right? That when, we, when everyone has all the codes, you just drop them and all hold hands. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that it's really interesting because you see moments then, you know, this is set up very early, and then you see moments of when there's a bit of foreshadowing when the president is meeting with his um you know military advisors and they um and 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 they t- and Chekhov's Chinese carrier <laughs> is introduced right yeah. uh, of like you know if if there's a Chinese carrier introduced in uh, around the midpoint it's going to blow up by the end <laughs> of the episode um so that it's it's mentioned and and um uh, Heller says, "Well, should we tell NATO?" And uh, the advisor says something to the effect of, "No, it's a, it's a very, it's not a prudent course of action mm. to um, let them know that this uh, vulnerability exists." And so that, you know, and and then similarly, ultimately, what? Um, and again, because I was wired to think, uh, I was viewing this through a lens of exploitation. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, no, no. So that that you know, um, uh, it was Zhang. Um, exploits this, you know, the nature of distrust in, mm. in anarchy to, um, uh, to, well, he, so he, there's this, that, like, last scene, uh, has these two moments of exploitation. One, he exploits hierarchy to say people will follow an order when it comes in. So in a hierarchy, in a military hierarchy, it comes in through the pike, right? And the scene in the sub is great where they're like, well, these are the orders. And the first officer ever kind of looks at the captain and the captain's like, all right, and just does it. He doesn't even give a take. He just sort of goes like, 
Like <laughs> boss, boss, bo- like he's not a boss. Right, yeah, he is yeah. not a boss. He's yeah. a middle manager. They are uh, very far below. Like everyone's yeah, yeah. looking down on them. Right, that. right. Yeah. Um, exactly. Under the sea. <laughs> Under the sea. <laughs> um, so the but then uh, he uses he exploits hierarchy to then exploit anarchy to blow this ship up and uh, and almost is, uh, certainly this is gearing towards creating some kind of conflict between the U.S. and China, because it looks like the U.S. just straight-up attacked China. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, and so, right, so the, the, there's a... Right, Adrian Cross wants it to be one way, but it's the other way. Yeah, indeed, indeed. He wants there to be a world where, yeah, if there is an anarchic relationship between states or what have you, that everybody will everybody will find out a way to collaborate and cooperate, mm-hmm. right? Whereas, you know, Zhang, Chang, rather, Chang wants there to be... A way uh, that if there is an anarchic relationship between states, then the states will attack each other and kill each other. Right. Um, and it's because Chang has a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> he wants to start World War Three. Um, so that he is just the, yeah. so that he's the only person left living, right? Yeah. Like, you, you remember who Chang is, right? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the one who um, uh, takes uh, and I, I forget a little bit about because he was kind of I believe introduced in. Day four, if memory serves uh, correctly, um, and was uh, involved in the plot in ways that I don't totally remember. But then he comes back at the end of day five um, and is uh, and and is the one who grabs Jack, and takes him away, and then yeah. at the beginning of day six is the one that br- uh, um, has tortured. Uh, the crap out of Jack and brings back yeah. bearded, beaten, semi-broken Jack yeah. uh, to engage in the um, uh, you know, to to engage in that day's exploits. Yes, yeah. the, the first I think I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, but what happened was that there was a someone who sought asylum at the Chinese embassy in Los Angeles, right? Who CTU really needed access to? He right. was either like an evil scientist or something like that. I don't remember exactly who it was, right? Uh, but Jack decided to just lead a straw team, all wearing masks, right, into the right. Chinese embassy, right. and they're like, "Okay, we'll just get the guy and get out, and we won't kill anybody, and it'll be fine, right? And then and nobody will know it was us." Um, and then the the consulate, like the, the the embassy diplomat, the consular guy, just like wanders out into the middle of a gunfight and gets shot. Right. right, and and it was Chang's job to keep that guy safe. That was right. his job, and so he then finds the videotape of the CTU, the white CTU guy, and that's proof. Right, and then they have to leave. They have to give up the white CTU guy to the Chinese. Right, and but then right. they want Jack Bauer instead. Right, and then th- and that's why Jack has to um, fake his own death. Yes, yes, right? yes, yes and, exactly. And, right, and then right, and yeah. so then he's like a become like a major through yeah. line. But um, it's interesting. It's Ch- Chang is an interesting mirror to Jack in a different way than a lot of other characters we've seen. So there's a bunch of different characters who serve as mirrors to Jack over the years. Tony Almeida, who's sort of yeah. like Hispanic Jack, who's like where Jack is very hot-headed, and, and uh, Tony Almeida is much more reserved. By the way, there was a really high-quality Tony Almeida yeah in this episode. Remember yeah. when the tech was telling uh, was telling Kate that yes, like it means that your husband is innocent. Yeah. He said it just like Tony Almeida. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, and so Tony Almeida is the kind of eye-rolling, blasé, like, super spy. Jack Bauer is the super intense, spazzy yeah, super yeah, spy. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got, you know, you got, uh, well, Nina Myers, who's right. like the evil, evil, sexy female Jack. Yeah. And then you've so got... It's yeah. a small Jack world after all, yeah. right? <laughs> but, Ch- but Chang, because Chang also goes rogue. Right. Uh, so Ch- right. Chang goes rogue from the Chinese government to pursue the device 
that uh, is going to be used what to crash airplanes into each other and right, like, or to control right. the nuclear weapons. Right, right, uh, right. And so, so he goes rogue, and so he's arrested. And, but when Chang goes rogue, he doesn't go so much. He doesn't go alone. He always brings a group of people with him. It seems he always has like a little cabal. <laughs> they're all like they're they're all like twenty year old yeah. like Chinese dudes. Yeah. I th- there was one guy who was I, I sure looked like he was wearing a hoodie and no shirt. Yes, <laughs> like, he was shirtless with a hoodie on. He was like showing off his clavicles, right, and his like jacked pecs in his. Yeah, clavicles. actually, there were. It's interesting. There were actually a lot of pecs in this. Episode, right, yeah, we yeah. also had uh, Navarro's <laughs> like I mean, right, like totally ripped and pointless <laughs> like pecs. I mean, I guess maybe it was like. Uh, wait, wait, who's the actor? Is it Benjamin? Benjamin it's Bratt. Benjamin Bratt's like, hey, I've been working out. Can yeah. we get one? Can I just pop my shirt off? This was his <laughs> I Am Legend moment. Yeah. Where, like, Will Smith is like, I'm 40 and I'm doing pull-ups. Yeah, it's yeah. It's in a commercial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, uh, I associate that also with, like, what? Like, Ben Affleck as well, right? Oh, There's right, yeah. a lot of Ben Affleck movies where he's doing pull-ups. Yeah, um, yeah. Or the scene where Wolverine looks in the mirror at the beginning of Days of Future Past and he's right. like, wow, I'm so ripped. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. like, oh, we've shown this, which is a Terminator reference. Yeah, so also. really, actually, the th- so really Really, the through line is pecs. Like yeah. we have this ar- <laughs> mirror <laughs> muscles right here. Yeah, exactly. Well, there were two pecs, but now there will just be Each one. Each pec had a separate transponder on it. Each of his bo- each of his man boobs was being monitored by technology. By and, and, we're, and we're getting nothing on the biometrics. <laughs> I really, on. Yeah. I really hope that it was just like, hey, I've been working out. Can you I be shirtless in this scene? Um, well, because there's one thing One thing about, uh, okay, how you analyze a 24 scene. I, I really feel like if, if you're doing this at home, you want to start with what are the things that are being said in this scene that are exciting? Yes. And what is being said in the... Because 24 has an exciting show that has to excite people and be interesting. And it, and it has to, like, have a, a plot that moves on in suspense and action. And it has to have constant exposition as things are constantly changing. And things have to constantly be explained to you. So in a conversation between, say, like, Jack and Kate, he'll say, like, we need to go here and do this and do this other thing. And then we need to do this thing. And we don't have time to do this right now. Uh, and by the way, like... You know, you're on your own. If yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, it's exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that's so. And we, we talked a little bit about our notes. So when I take notes, I write down the lines that are not instructions. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. And, and so that's what it is it, that when you strip away all of the instructions, um, either instructional or like just narrating what is happening, like yeah. kind of right. So there, there's kind of two kinds of noise basically uh, in a 24 episode. I mean there's a few different kinds of noise. There's actually like the noise of like gunshots and like yeah. clatter. But there's then there's there's instructions. There's kind of like just somebody summarizing and catching up what is actually happening. Yeah. Uh, but then when you strip that away um and actually, you actually have, right, this actually happens a lot, right, when there's a signal and they're trying to isolate a location, yeah. uh, they um, removes, the, the analyst uh, removes the noise to pinpoint the signal, to pinpoint yeah, uh, yeah. what's going on. And so that when you write down the things that are not those, yeah. um, you get a, a, a transcript of the possible, the, 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 ultimately you get, you get like the code, you, you crack the code of kind of what's going on. Yeah. You get the source code of the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then even then... Then, um, as we found in these analyses, there's usually a few threads, right? Yeah. And so that, so, and then there it gets back to then what's exciting, 
right? And so that um, depending on what you're finding exciting in this given episode, what's interesting, what's compelling, what's fun, um, then different elements of the some one of those threads is going to resonate more than the other, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah. that and, and but ultimately there's a, like a bit of harmony, like yeah. striking guitar strings. Yeah, right? and I was also thinking about the wonderful Chrysler 200 high speed yeah. paddle shifter missile dodging chase, which is obviously a car commercial, yeah. like so obviously a, just from the camera angles that they use. So they're not above putting things in the show because for a cynical, this has to serve a purpose. Even right. if the purpose is like, okay, we need to have an action set piece. Right. There is usually some level of elegance to why it's chosen. Like you could say, okay, well, why is Navarro shirtless in this episode and why is he so muscular? You could say Navarro, looking at himself shirtless, sees somebody who's strong. Right. And but Jack Bauer looking at somebody shirtless could see somebody who's vulnerable. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. so there's a shirt there's a strength and a vulnerability. One of the other big ones in this episode is and another thing that reinforced my interpretation of the episode upon the rewatch was the ch- the nature of the chase scene between Jack and Navarro. Yeah. They're both alone running through hallways and they both spend a lot of time sort of stopping and looking around trying to figure out where they are. It is two lost people who are separately lost. Mm. There is not like a sort of balletic relationship between the pursuer and the pursued, which is often the case. That's sort of the John Woo style where there's like like the killer or like face off where the hero and the villain have this poetic symmetry to the two of them, right? Where they the the the, the chase is a dance. And right, they, right. and you're showing their relationship through their efforts to try to kill each other. And it's not like the Margot Al-Harazi chasing Jack thing where it's clearly hierarchical. This chase scene was about the both of them being on their own and, yeah. and by themselves. Uh, and then, and then of course, like drop the bag through the window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, there's actually, a, yeah, yeah, exactly <laughs> through the through the like like the magical glory hole, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really what he did. Isn't it? Yeah, he's like, all right, I put it through the glory hole. Where's my, where's my car? This isn't going to end the way you thought it was going to end. Um, I think that there is a, there's a one specific shot um, that I noticed in the chase scene in this episode where there's a moment where the, it, there's these reverse cuts of there's there's again some kind of a barrier, right? So this is like kind of a hangover from the last episode of the architecture, yeah. um, and they're like in an alley, and there's a shot. And they're both like kind of back to back on different sides of this wall. Yeah. And so you're there's a shot of Navarro, then a shot of Jack kind of looking, and he goes around the corner with his gun drawn, and Navarro's gone. Right, right, right. Um, right and right, I feel right. like that kind of encapsulates a lot of this of like I'm like like of like I think there's another person here, and they're not. Right. So yeah, Jack the, the is walls, lost. the windows, the doors, the door that Chloe opens, that these things that separate people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah and and that even if you think you're not alone, you're you are alone, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. so Jack thinks he's doing he's chasing Navarro. He thinks Navarro's right there, and Jack's actually alone. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thing, though. So, to tie this back into my own kind of conspiracy theory, not conspiracy theory, but my reach theory, which is that the episode is built around a hypothetical climactic scene that doesn't happen, wherein Jack is captured by the Russians. And that everything that's happening in the scene is actually leading up to that. But because 24, we saw with the Enjambment episode, where the climax was in the middle rather than at the end, that they know how to play with your expectations. Right. So, in this case... There's so many, and one of our commenters mentioned this too, there's so many different instances in the show of somebody tracking somebody else. Oh, yes. we're going to lock onto this. Oh, he has an you know he has an encrypted broadcasting thing, and you'll be able to locate him through that. Yeah. Right? And and this thing that, yeah, like... Uh, there's locking on, right? Yeah. That was the through line 
that um, I, I think it was Jameis, but I will check. Yeah. Uh, noticed that through line of locking on. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So, so this idea that there is a that there is a locking on. We talk about sort of echoes that scatter backwards through an episode of Twenty Four based on a primary gesture that takes place. Right. And I feel like the gesture of like locking up Jack Bauer or finding where he huh. is is being reflected backwards in all the instances in this scene where people are locking onto other people. Now, it also could be the locking on of the torpedo to the carrier that could be the dem- the thing that is locking on and that but of course in that sense it's sort of downplayed it's you know the the shooting of the torpedoes is de-emphasized partly to emphasize the idea that this is a military hierarchy that nobody has any independent agency in right right and so but uh but yeah you could think of that as like the torpedoes like the firing solution that the guy gets on the Chinese carrier is the big the big locking on or you can sort of see them as all parts of each other and all well, that scattered it is around. interesting because in the previous episode right that the drone missile was locked on, and Jack grabbed the controller and steered it into the Thames River, right? Yeah, and with yeah, a big yeah. splash, right? Um, but in, in this case, it was it was locked on, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so I guess that's also then another sense. I mean, it's interesting. So locking on is about zeroing in on position, but then locking in is about inevitability and yeah, being like yeah, locked yeah. into a course of action. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Hello? Listen, Eric, this is Ben. Do you have the cold brew technology? Have you been feeding the information that we talked about to Pete and Ryan? I mean, they can't know that that cold brew technology has been in works in a government laboratory in a submarine underneath the polar ice caps for years. They can't know that. Do they know? Ben? Hey, Ben, it's Ryan and Pete. (laughs) Oh, this This isn't Ben. Ben. This This is is the middleman. Uh, ben, I, if you're using some kind of a voice cloaking technology, it just sounds just like you. Uh, that, that must be the voice technology. technology. Gotta go!